This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. I'm Arjun Sen welcoming you to this edition of the podcast. Now, winning is fun, but winning big puts you on the path to sustainable long-term win. And in this podcast, I'm bringing to you leaders from all walks of life who have made it a habit to win big. Today, my VIP guest is Jana Axline. Jana simply loves to get things done. She is a focused leader who achieves ambitious results, adept at moving between the big picture and small details. She's able to help clients execute the right initiatives to implementation, maximizing value to organization. She's a focused leader who achieves great results. She's able to help clients execute the right initiatives to implementation. She is the founder of Project Genetics, a project delivery consulting firm which is creating new amazing standards in that particular industry. She speaks internationally and is the author of the book, Becoming You, and I would love to know more about the book. One sentence that describes Jana is, she gets things done and done well. Welcome, Jana, to this edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, truly a pleasure. And more, I started learning about your company. First of all, I want to congratulate you for building an internationally recognized project delivery consulting company. Congratulations. Thank you. Absolutely. So as you start looking back, what is the core driver for Project Genetics ongoing success? Like, how do you get things done and done so well? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's kind of a two-part question in that there's three things that really, I think, help with the success. And the first one, and, and this is for life as well, is to keep moving forward no matter how slow it seems. Things don't always go the way they, we think it's going to go or as quickly as it, we think it should go. But as long as we're making forward progress, we're still making progress. The second thing we've really done at Project Genetics is we've incrementally tried new things. I love um, Jim Collins' book. I believe it's great on purpose. And he talks about bullets and then cannonballs, but essentially trying little things and testing them out before you throw a big cannonball. And that's that's what we try to do. So we experiment, we see what'll work better and, and tweak things as we go, always trying to make it better. And then finally, kind of tied with that is adapting. It's really critical to adapt to your clients, adapt to the environment, adapt to the trends within the industry. We just are always trying to adapt But then how do we get things done and done well? Um, It's really about a relentless drive to reach the goal. So, you know, when things are going slow, like I mentioned before, it's always keeping an eye on the goal and still driving forward. Followed by, I think, good habits make a big difference. You know, when you build habits into your routine, then you know you're doing the right things and you're doing them every day by building them in there. Build habits into the routine. Love that. So to me, I really love the fact that you broke it down into moving forward. 
even when it's slow, do things incrementally. And this whole relentless drive for the goal. Mm. You know, as you have evolved the company to this level and also your career, you know, what are some amazing stories that you can talk about? Because there's a story that in Denver is some kind of a legend that you were in an <laughs> amazing job. Everything was going great. And you quit. Like, why would you quit when everything's going great? Like, what happened after that? Yeah, you know, and I, I did write about, you know, maybe five reasons somebody would want to quit a job they loved. For me, it was really came down to, to one key reason, though. And that was that I realized I wanted to do more and that the path to reach my goal required me to leave. And so, yes, I loved my job. It was amazing. My boss was amazing. The teammates that I had were amazing. The work was interesting. It was everything you would want from, you know, a career. There was growth within the company. But I realized that I wanted to be the leader of a company and that I wanted to make a difference in project management. And to do that, I had to leave. And so I laid out my vision of, of what that looked like and then assess the risk. Like I asked myself some tough questions about, you know, what is the worst that could happen if I went out and did this? And when I decided that I was comfortable with the worst that could happen, I just went ahead and did it. And as I've mentioned already, things didn't go as quickly as I wanted, but we've been consistently advancing forward. And that's what really matters is that we're making relentless progress towards that vision. You know, for you to quit, it takes a lot of confidence. And as I'm listening to you, what I hear is you were sure of the path. Like what gave you that light, that kind of a surety to walk away from proven traditional paths? Yeah, I think it was a few things that came together. One, you know, way back in when I was in my undergrad, I knew I wanted to be a CEO. Uh, and that actually came out of taking the Myers-Briggs test and saying I was an ENTJ. And one of the best jobs for an ENTJ was um, leading a company. So that, that seed had been planted probably 15 years prior but then there, a, a popular thing that, that people like to do when helping someone find their career path is they ask, so what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing and what will people pay for? And they create a Venn diagram, right? So what's the intersection of those three things? And I was going through that exercise and I was saying, I like to get stuff done. I'm good at getting stuff done and people will pay to get stuff done. I actually used a different word besides stuff, but we won't, we won't use that here. But, and so then I, I knew this was really my sweet spot. I was passionate about project management. I wanted to lead a company and then, so those two things happened. And then I saw an opening in the marketplace. And really that was understanding that there was this gap with um, within consulting in the in the technology space, where all, a lot of consulting firms seem very focused on the technology and the and the specific tech resources, meaning like architects and developers and testers, and project management just always seemed like an afterthought. But I under I could see that a reason a lot of projects were failing was because they didn't have the right project leader in place. And so that was the space I wanted to go out and get. So when, when I had passion and I had a vision and then there was an opportunity, those three things combined to allow me to go out and start the company. So if you're joining in late, you're listening to Jana Axline, founder of Project Genetics, who has a very simple principle. She just gets things done and done well. 
And what she just helped me understand that you say, I quit and jump in the moment you find what you're good at, what you enjoy doing. And of course, what somebody and I'll just word pay obscenely. I just add the word for what you do. And that taking it from a layman's simple words, then you put it on the business side of what by saying passion, vision, and all together, when you start building the objectives and the goals, it just becomes incredible. So I get it where you found your passion. Now, Mm -hmm. building a company is a little different. Okay, So as you're forming your team and getting the right kind of talent, how did you build the team? Like what were traits most important in future leaders? And how does all that make Project Genetics win? Yeah, we spend a lot of time focused on trying to find the right people. Again, I I like the analogy of get the right people on the bus. Jim Collins had a big impact on on my leadership thinking, and and I really relate to getting the right people on the bus. And so some of the the top three qualities I, I look for is really a drive to get things done, right? We're in the business of getting things done. So people have to have that drive for action and and want to always be moving forward. And that can look different ways with different people. Some people are really good at getting buy-in from stakeholders and and bringing all the, the team along. And then some people are really um, fantastic at, at building new processes. Like each, how people get things done can differ, but you'll find among all my team, there's a drive to get it done. I look for people who are accountable. If people are accountable, they build trust with the team. So that if something inevitably will go wrong on a project, right? And, but everybody will know that this person will, will rectify it and will own up to, to maybe where they misstep or they have trust that this person will be able to, to guide the rest of the team back onto the right track. Uh, so I find that's really important accountability. And then the, the finally, the th- last thing I like to nurture is people who always want to grow. Growth is critical. I, I really have an issue with people who just get stagnant. We always have periods in our life where maybe we need to rest and not drive so hard. I mean, I've had periods in my life where I've had to slow down, but slowing down doesn't mean stop growing. It just means growing at a different pace. And, and so that's what's important to me, is though, is that people are always looking at how to get better. So slowing down still means you're growing, but at a slower pace. Love that. You know, in the corporate world, we all face situations where all of a sudden it feels that, you know, defeat is right in front. You know, failure is nearly destined. But then when you don't stop and as you talk about, you get things done, it turns to be one of the biggest wins of all times. So in your experience, can you just share examples of when it felt anybody else could have given up, but Jana didn't? And what forced you to try through and get to one of your biggest wins? Yeah, I kind of want to talk about this in in two different ways, because in the corporate world, we help clients with failing projects all the time. And and I'll I'll get to to that in a moment. But the best example from of something where I was failing was actually more in my personal life. 
where we were building a new house and having to sell our current house. And we had planned a year in advance, because obviously it takes a long time to build a house, on how all of this was going to work. And we had laid out, we had worked with our finance team and and we, we had a plan and we knew how it was supposed to happen. And everything fell apart two months before we were supposed to close to the point where every morning I would wake up with anxiety attacks, trying to figure out how we were going to be able to pay for this house. And we had put $100,000 down on the house to begin the build that if we didn't close on that house, we wouldn't get the money back. And I reached the point where I was like, I wanted to walk away. I was willing to walk away from $100,000 because it just seemed so insurmountable. But, you know, it was in that moment, I'm, I'm really blessed to have a great husband that he was like, you just need to keep moving forward. Just keep trying, just keep iterating, and we will figure it out. And sure enough, it all came together. We were able to sell our old house. We closed on our new house. We moved in, and it all worked great. But there was a point where I was ready to, to give up, but I kept moving forward. And, and so to me, when the most important things in order to navigate failure are really to continue moving forward. It's like trudging through the mud, but taking each step, realizing that, again, even though it might be slow, you're making progress toward the goal. The second thing I think is really important is there's a lot of power in perspective. It's very important to maintain perspective because when you're in the middle of it all, it seems much worse than it really is. And so uh, a great uh, speaker out, out there is Rory Vaden, and he talks about, you know, he, he likes to often talk about the, the analogy, will this matter in a year? Will it matter in five years, 10 years, 50 years? Make sure that you're keeping it in perspective because that will uh, help you control your response. And then finally, it's about assessing and adapting, Right constantly assessing the current situation and asking yourself how you can adapt what you're doing. And that's how we help our clients. We go in there and we help them assess their their situation and then then adapt it to being able to be successful in the projects that they're undertaking. And you also had mentioned about use the same principle with clients who are going through a difficult project, not a failing project, but not going well. So how do you use the same insight to turn those projects around? What advice would you have for those listening? Yeah, I, I mean, that's exactly what we do when we come in. And, and you can you can do this yourself. Like you don't always have to bring somebody else. But if I were managing a project that was failing, it's almost like putting on another hat and looking at it from another perspective and saying, what is happening here and where are things breaking down and where are they going well and really looking at how all the pieces fit together and then adapting and iterating and trying uh, new things while maintaining that perspective. You know, most of us don't save lives every day, at least when it comes to projects. And so realizing that the work we're doing is important, but Somebody most likely won't die that day if we don't get it done right. So just keep iterating, just keep trying and really assess with accuracy. Don't sugarcoat it for yourself or uh, anything like that. It really assess where we are and then, and then adapt the pieces where the, the process is broken. So taking perspective to a different place, you know, I was quite fascinated to read a little bit about your book where 
you talked about in your book, Becoming You, achieving great things is a journey, a journey of understanding who you are. You know, to me, it's really fascinating. So can you just help me understand this whole concept of understanding who you are and why it is important for a leader? Yeah, I fell in love with um, personality tests. And so I think a lot of my journey came from what was coming out of those tests, Myers-Briggs, Emergenetics, the color code. There's lots of great tests about, out there. And what those are all about is really assessing who you are. And so I think uh, regardless if you use tests or you don't use tests, the understanding who you are is about being honest and assessing what are you good at and what are you not good at? And then it's a, and then you layer on top of that. So once you understand what you're good at and what you're not good at, then you need to make sure you understand your values. What, what drives you? What's your North Star? And what are your non-negotiables, right? There are some things that we are just not willing to compromise on. And so it's, I think it's important as you navigate your life goals, you want to have those clearly defined, and then finally, you need to understand what drives you and keeps you motivated because that, that drive and motivation is what's going to help keep you going when things get slow. You know, quite a few great reviews of the book online. And one of the reviews talks about the person got a lot from your book about your concept of dream killers and how to deal with them. What are dream killers? Like, how do you deal with those? So dream killers love to tell you all the reasons why your dream won't work or you're foolish for following it. Dream killers insist that you should be more practical or safe. Those are their favorite words. They often disguise themselves as common sense. Like, why would you do something like that? No one does it that way. Or are you sure you should pursue that? What if you don't make enough for a living? But what I find is they don't offer you anything actionable. And I have an example. I remember when I was 13 years old, I wrote a book, 13, it was 80 pages, which is, I think, pretty good for a 13 year old. And I wasn't even finished. And I gave it to an adult who was important to me. And their response was, why do you waste your time writing? You don't write well enough to get anywhere with it. And that really wasn't helpful. You know, the, the, I think what that person was getting at was I had a lot of grammar issues and maybe I wasn't, you know, maybe the story didn't connect well with the storyline there, there, there were, but there were tangible things that I could have received as feedback and done something with rather than why are you wasting your time? You have no future in this. Mm. So the, I find there's three questions you can ask when dealing with a dream killer. What is their risk tolerance and are they a visionary? So dream killers are afraid of change, they're afraid of failure, and they want things to be done the way they've always been done. Are they connected to the field? Like, are they successful in that area that you're pursuing? So basically, I want to know if they're already an expert at what I'm, I'm hoping to accomplish. And then finally, how impartial are they? It's because most people out there who are close to you can't bear to see you fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they forget that you often learn most in times of failure. So what happened to the book? Did you publish it? That book I self-published it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that awesome. What's it called? Oh, my kid book. No, yeah. no, no. I still have that. Uh, no, I didn't publish that book, but I still have it. It was it was about a, a some sort of adventure, um, you know, teenage adventure romance mystery style. <laughs> you know, you took me back to my maybe ten or twelve year old days. My grandma 
took my younger brother, four years younger than me, Oni and myself, to a local art school. And on day one, the teacher wanted to place both of us, so asked both of us to draw. My younger brother, amazing, talented kiddo, show off. Of course, he draws, you know, humans. You know. I was still into nature, very poetic human being. So I drew my triangles to my mountains. And I love sunsets, so I painted the sky red. So the hmm. teacher came and told me, you cannot paint the sky red. I just didn't understand the meaning of cannot. I thought he was challenging me. So this time I poured red, red paint there, painted the whole thing. The teacher just looked at me. I still remember the nod on his head. He literally took my painting, crumbled it. And when my grandma came, said, you know, you're wasting time and money on this one. There's no art in this one. I didn't paint for nearly 25 years. And then I started. And my brother being such an amazing human being, when I wrote my book, Raising a Father, he told me, this is your time to paint the sky red. Like he, we could have hired an artist. He wouldn't let me do it. And, you know, it just was like, took me like 30 or 40 takes with my working with my brother, amazing human being. But I got my red sky. I just did. And to me, I really get it when you're talking about is a person who is risk tolerant, as you said, wants to do the same thing, same way, has some credibility in the field, but maybe not, that cannot see ahead. And also is not impartial, you know, that person's feedback, if it closes doors, I think there's huge opportunities lost. So I want to bring this back to starting Project Genetics. As you started, could you give examples of one or two dream killers that you had to overcome to build the vision of this amazing company? So when I started the company, I don't know that I had any dream killers, but I set things up in a way that I think your listeners could could benefit from. I had my own, you could call it board of directors. They didn't know they were my board of directors, but I had a list of people. They were successful people within different areas of business. They were successful for different reasons. And I would go and I would call each one in the, each one of them individually and get their insights. You know, why do you think I could do this? What do you think the hangups could be? I would just pick their brain. This was all right before I, I finally made the leap. And and I would just ask them all the same question, but each one, each time it was one-on-one. And I, I would get their feedback and I brought all that feedback and I assessed it. And I think it's really important that you listen to all types of feedback, but then you assess it for whether or not it's true. Because that is just their perspective, um, and it could be very different from what reality is. But I tried to pick people with different um, perspectives so that I could see every angle. And then um, once I started my company, I went out and I started building connections with other people, like the people who, who could be buyers. And I would go and I would ask them, hey, I'm starting this company And this is what it's going to be all about. What is your perspective as a person who buys this type of product? What are you looking for? And and how do you think I'm positioned uh, to do this differently? And that was really good insight. Taking time, just having coffee and lunch with with different people, like CIOs, VPs of technology, folks like that, and getting their perspective on what I was trying to build. Awesome. So you took preemptive insights and perspective, put them all together. So the dream killers couldn't even find a place. Yeah, the closest thing I had to a dream killer was, and it really isn't dream killing, but my mom always worries for me. And she is very much a person who is into stability. That's an important, like, that's one of her values is stability. 
And so this idea of going out on my own and not having a company paying my paycheck, uh, you know, she was worried for the stability, but I, I had assessed all that risk ahead of time. And I knew that if for some reason I didn't get paid over three months, I had a plan on, on how I would address that. So I had already accounted for that risk. And, and, you know, she, she did it because that's, or that was her perspective, because that was what's important to her. So if you take all this different insights, like you gave the audience so many insights today and learning, if Jana today goes back to Jana at college, you know, just before the project management class, the day before, and gives her an advice, what would be a few things you would love to tell that Jana? Well, I'd actually, I would love to go back 20 years to when I was in my undergrad. And the advice I would give would be to be an intern you know, every summer or at every opportunity intern at different companies, because it would have been so valuable for me to try out different things and understand, start to get a better understanding at what I was good at and how that translated into something that people would pay for, because it took me a very long time to figure that out. I was um, a registered sales assistant for Smith Barty. I was a legal secretary. I kept shoplifters. I worked in retail, um, you know, customer service. I was a barista at Starbucks. I made television commercials um, at a movie studio. I mean, I did everything, all these career fields, and it took so long to find something I enjoyed. And I think if I had maybe interned at corporations where those opportunities are are available, I could have figured it out faster. But if I were to go back maybe just 10 years, I would get, I would advise myself to build a stronger network. I'm very kind of checklist focused, as you probably could tell through Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. conversation. And so I like to get things done, but I have a hard time building relationships because I'm so busy doing things. So that would have really helped me uh, starting off Project Genetics if I had had a, a better network. So extension of that, as you mentioned, you know, you have processes in every aspect of work. And I've also seen that in the business side, success that is planned and has a process around it can be repeated. The rest mm-hmm. of the success is decently random. You know, it may happen, may not. And most leaders, I love to know, so when you wake up in the morning and getting into work mode, what's the first thing that you think of? And when you are just winding down your work day, what's the last thing you think of? Like from a process person like you, I think the audience would love to know exactly <laughs> what you do. I think that's more of a do as I say, not as I do type of scenario. Because really how I would like my to start my day would be to read the Bible and reflect and reflect on, you know, kind of that personal growth. And I'd like to end the day with reflection on what happened and how I could improve. And what are those top things that I, that um, top priorities for the next day. But in reality, because I'm transcontinental in the work that I deliver, I wake up with what did I miss? And so I, I'm that bad person who rolls over and I grab my phone and I read email in my bed and then I start, then I move into the reflection. Uh, but, you know, all the, all the top business uh, books out there say, you know, don't read your email in the first two hours. But I do. But then I put it down because I have peace of mind. And then I can do some reflection. And then I end my day with checking what's on, what's on deck tomorrow. I do 
do that because I want to make sure that I'm up on time, that I'm prepared, that I have the right energy. And it really helps me if I look at it the day before uh, and prepare mentally. And then I can shut down for the rest of the day because I know how to start the next day with the right vigor. So the shutting down is very important for you to start the next day with vigor. So, you know, this is, you know, this is really, I really appreciate you sharing. This is incredible. So where can the audience members, where can they find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? A URL, book name, something, a website, what would you love to share? Yeah, well, you can always go to the Contact Us page on projectgenetics.com and reach me there. I I check all of those emails. And of course, you can find my book on amazon.com. And it's really... I like to call it project management for your life. So if, if there is a trying to figure out how to reach your goals, it might be a good book for you with practical suggestions. Uh, you know, thank you, Jenna. This was really incredible. You know, what Jenna today taught us is, first, I would start on feedback. Okay? Feedback is very important, but also to put in perspective that feedback is a perspective. It, there are roles, times in life you need to get the feedback, but the moment you get different feedbacks to be absolute truth, that way you get into confusion, that way you get into trouble. Another insight that really hit home was moving forward, even however slow things get, because you always have to move forward. And finally, how you broke it down to the risk, just to look at assessment, like how to break it down is the risk tolerance for the person, the credibility, and then how does it impact your life altogether became a great insight. But my biggest take from today is how you assess risk so brilliantly as if you go into future and coming back. That would be something the audience would really love to focus on. Again, the book is Becoming You. Check that. It would be a great book on project management on your personal life. Thank you for listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. I'm looking forward to bringing amazing leaders and their secrets from all walks of life. And also, if you're listening on Facebook, I really appreciate you taking the time on an evening to spend it with us. Please forward to friends, share and share your feedback. Really appreciate it. Thank you again, Janet. Thank you. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.